Welcome to By the Sword, where we discuss the modern study of historical European martial arts, or HEMA, with instructors, experts and martial artists from all over the world. In this final episode of 2021, with me, Fran Laquata, and Jonna Datahan, the Swords and Mental Health podcast takes a look at friendship, shared experiences, and questions from our listeners. The episode was recorded 14 December 2021. Bestie! Bestie! How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Had a rough start of the week, but things yeah. are better. So let's make it a good end of the week. Let's Rest do it, baby. Yeah, yeah. I've got a really good feeling about this. Me too. I'm kind of excited, actually. <laughs> now, um, one thing I want to come clean about is that you did some stuff recently uh, on your social media where you were talking about your name, and I think I have got away with this for a long, long time because of my funny English accent. Uh huh. But I think I think I've been pronouncing your name wrong. Have you? But yeah, I think I have. I think you don't realize it. But I've been saying Jana. That's that sounds right. But it maybe maybe it does. But the, when you guys say it, it sounds like it should be Jana. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound wrong to me when you say it. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's just when an, when an American person says your name wrong, I guess they're saying it, it sounds to you or is like Jenna. Yeah. Jenna, like with an E. Yeah. So I, I was like, oh my God, I've been saying her name wrong this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> That's my best friend and I can't Best friend part taken away. <laughs> so it's like the name John with an a on the end essentially right yeah yeah so okay. like that's yeah that's why i always use like the handle that i use everywhere because i was thinking like people would make the connection because you know people say job of the hut john of the hut is it pronounced job of the hut or jab of the hut i don't know but it's definitely not jab of the hut Oh, take my nerd license away I, as well. I feel, I feel like <laughs> your accent has saved you because I have not saved noticed. me from crimes. <laughs> <laughs> my get out of jail card, my British accent. Oh Thank my god. god, it's so funny because Alina and I would talk about it every so often. Like I was like, I keep forgetting that Fran has this really cute accent until she starts talking. I was like, yeah, yeah, she does have a cute accent. She does, she does sound cute. <laughs> Yeah, I practice every day. I have this cute <laughs> accent. Uh, <laughs> I teach my kids. Yeah. That's how you do it. Um, so does that mean it's the Frana show or the Frana show? It's the Frana show. Frana Frana. We need to get someone to sing us a jingle. Oh, my God. That'd be hilarious. Can someone please contact us? We want you to. We should make a post about it. Somebody yeah, do might, a song. Might, oh, you know what? Yeah. That would be a funny that would be a funny idea. Well, to inspire a song about the Frana show, the Frana show, I've come up with some Frana facts. Um because this is like our wrapping up the year kind of episode. Yeah. Um and like it grew out of our friendship. So in the, like the conversations that we we have 
you know, when no one else is really around. And then we're like, yeah, these these private conversations we have, we should make that into a podcast. So um, I've got some little facts here. Uh, I guess it's kind of like a quiz, but uh, I just sort of rattled them, came up with it uh, while we were preparing for this podcast. But the first one is, do you know when the Franniversary is? Oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, my God. Is it like April? Yeah, it's April. <laughs> ah, I remember. Yeah. You're a I... little, Um, your your volume is a little low. Like, I okay. have my phone, like, up, like, all the, my volume up all the way. Is that better? Yeah. Okay, I'll, pre- I'll just bring the phone closer to my face. Um. So, yeah, it's not long after my hemiversary, actually. Um, which I think is the 12th of April, but off the anniversary is uh, 17th of April, 2020. That's when we started being pals online. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, it seems like it's been like, I, I feel like we've been friends for a really long time. Yeah. But when you put a date on it, it's like, wow, that's not long ago. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> but it feels like forever. Like, it's true. It's true. I was saying this, like, we just got, we just found we had so much in common um and i'm gonna go i'm gonna sort of scare everyone with how much we've got in common in a sec when i go through all these facts but when we started being pals it reminds me of like when you're a little kid in um in nursery or kindergarten or whatever and you you meet another kid and you go do you want to be friends and you go yep and that's it (laughs) that's literally what happened to us That is so true. I like honestly was kind of like a little intimidated. I was like, I don't know if this lady's gonna like me, but I was like, I'm gonna be her friend. <laughs> so it was like, it was like a big step for me to actually like initiate talking to like someone I don't know. Cause like people were like talking you up. And I was like, I don't know who this person is, but she sounds kind of important to like Kima because like people know her. But I'm like, I don't know her, but I'll be her friend. <laughs> oh, oh my God. So. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna get all I'm gonna get all choked up now. But the, the, the reason I reached out to you is because I was like, "Who's this cool chick doing all this sword stuff on her Instagram uh, with swords in her hot pants in her in her <laughs> booty shorts in, in the bikini in the garden, you know, outside, and it looks great." And then, and then I just found out you were Filipino and like you just reminded me of me when I was younger and stuff. And I was like, oh, she's really cool. And then I just reached out to you and that was it. Yeah. Um, so factoid number one, 17th of April 2020 is when we started being pals. Factoid number two, people may are probably aware of this if they follow either of us on Instagram. Pro- most likely you. Uh, we are both Libras. It's true. <laughs> we are both Libras. And not only are we both Libras, but we are so Libra. We are so Libra. <laughs> like, girl. Like, girl. as Libras, Libras can be. Like, people can say astrology is bullshit, but, like, yeah. if astrology is bullshit, why, are, why, why is it that both of us being Libras do so much Libra shit? <laughs> <laughs> and people may not know this. We found this recently uh, talking to our friend Kimmy. Uh, who was like a big astrology expert? That um, Jana is a triple Libra. <laughs> Yo, dog! I heard you like Libras. <laughs> so we put Libras in. So you're a Libra Sun, Moon, and Rising. Rising. Yep. Fuck. Yep. <laughs> yep. I am consistent, if nothing else. 
<laughs> yeah. So yeah. I mean, what what are the typical Libra traits? Romantic, obsessed with love, loves people, in, in love with love, <laughs> in love with love. Yeah, obsessed, absolutely obsessed. Um, <laughs> and talking of obsessions, uh, sort of common thing we share number three is we are both obsessed with the lord of the rings yes <laughs> Reg- regularly sending one another memes but I-, I think you take it to a whole new level uh and, and now <laughs> recently you you got into D- dune as well yeah june as we say in the uk june um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that's another thing and another uh, weird sort of shared thing that we have is that we both have 14-year-old kids. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. How's that, How's that life look with a 14-year-old? Yeah, that shit sucks. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it is not cakewalk. And oh, I no. always tell people, like, if you want to hurt my feelings, you can't. I have a teenager. <laughs> I've got a you teenager. can't hurt my feelings. You can't hurt my feelings. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, and I've got a twelve-year-old as well, which is uh, which is fun. Uh, he's he's still not uh, not quite hitting puberty yet. Yeah, it won't be long. And then you'll have double trouble. Like, yeah. For all. My pals came around with their newborn the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's absolutely gorgeous. His name is Root. Um, and uh, he's just a very cute little newborn you know all sort of scrunched up and ready to blossom kind of thing and they said how the hell did you have a newborn and a toddler yeah like i I don't know they said it sounds like hell and i said it probably was (laughs) but you know you what you do is you look at the newborn and then you go why the hell did i think that was difficult i've got a toddler yeah and uh, now I'm at sort of a stage of parenthood where I've got teenagers and I'm thinking, why did I think a toddler was difficult? <laughs> exactly. No, it's true. It's true. Like, it's uh, it's a totally d- different ball game. Like, you'd think that, like, things will get better the more they, like, get older and do things on their own and be more independent. Like, no. No, no. <laughs> it's all yeah. different war. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah it's it's becoming a person and then that just goes on for the rest of your life I guess yeah, which is exactly. what this podcast is about like being a human being and living in the world yeah and navigating it uh uh fa- what was that so that's factoid number five uh factoid number four factoid number five is we're both Filipina yes you proud, proud yeah I'm, a, I'm just a half elf though you're you're a full blood yeah i mean but the thing is like we you look very filipino too for 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 a a half (laughs) or maybe it's me maybe i don't look super filipino i don't know but like people thought that like we looked like each other like we were like before and after (laughs) which i thought was hilarious yeah and that's something that we bonded over i mean i don't speak tagalog uh but i can understand it yeah, um, which is 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 the case for a lot of people whose parents uh, moved from the Philippines to other countries. Uh, yeah, that's often the case. But you you still speak it because obviously that's your, your your first language. Yeah. Do you get yeah. much chance to speak Tagalog, or is it mostly just English all the time these days? It's it's English most of the time. Um, I do have some friends who are Filipino that mm-hmm. live here, but they're they're in different states, so I don't 
really get to do it all the time. So what I do is I just like sing Filipino songs to have oh, that yeah. opportunity. Because like I, you know, when, when you don't use it a lot, you start losing the words. And yeah. so sometimes I would have these exercises where I'll just like, what words do I remember? And it's just like random words. It's um, and so then sometimes, weird. Yeah, and then sometimes that you I'd, like forget your your own language. Yeah, sometimes like I'll think about like a word, and I'm like, I know this word, but I don't remember what it means anymore. And oh, it's yeah. like it's crazy. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird. And... I remember my mom had to call her sister to say, "What's the word for vegetables?" <laughs> yeah what is the word for vegetables gulai there you go and she's just like how can i forget the word that's my own language it's my mother tongue how can i forget it's yeah so it's, it's weird like I, I it was weird like sometimes i would have like this random like words pop up in my head that's tagalog and i'm like what does that word mean why am i thinking about it <laughs> uh the the yeah being bilingual um is really handy it does make you good at lateral thinking as well because of like the associations that you make with words are in different directions to people who are monolingual so you the way you think about things is is different like yeah. literally the, the 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 connections that are made in your brain uh because you think in two languages are more multi-dimensional um, and I, talking about like your your heritage and culture and stuff, that you've been doing some really nice, like you say, you've been singing some songs on your on your um, Instagram and your TikTok stuff, and you were doing some dances as well recently. Is that something that you did as a kid? Yeah. So in the Philippines, they do a lot of cultural stuff. So there's this mm. um, there's this one week out of the year, and I think it happens during August when I was still in school, and it happens both in public and private schools because I went went to private school to a private Catholic school for the first like 13 years of my life. So I went from like nursery all the way to like high school first, my first year in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did it then. And they, and, and then when I went to public school, they also did it. So there was this week, um, this whole week where we just did like cultural stuff. We would um, learn dances um, so it's mm-hmm. like this whole event so every class will have presentations there would be like contests um, so there'd be like dance contests but it would all be like cultural um, so we did dancing and there's also um, we would learn different um, speeches from like famous Filipino authors or mm. Filipino politicians um, and we would like you know recite them and stuff um, we would also do uh um cultural like place and stuff um so there's a lot of stuff like growing up um that we did that kind of stuff so it was something that like I grew up doing like every single year I remember as a kid going to some Filipino festival in the summer and and they were doing stuff like this like the dances and things yeah and they yeah, did that one. What's the name of it? Where you have uh, with, a, with like the eight people with sticks? Yeah, the nickling. Yeah, yeah. the nickling. That was it. And I yeah. Was like, oh my god, that looks so dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely a, a, a fun dance to like watch. And yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I know how to dance it. I've never really like performed it, but like knowing like how the beat is will like keep you if you know what the counts are then your leg will never get caught in the bamboo yeah. but yeah it's it's pretty scary 
so for the uninitiated, what it is is like you have uh, four lengths of bamboo in a grid, mm-hmm. uh, or eight lengths. I should, I think it's eight, isn't it? And then you have people holding each length at each end, and they're banging them together. So this grid is just basically pulsing in like in in all directions yeah and then people come and they dance in between the the in the squares of this grid but yep. obviously, but because the the bamboo is being bashed together there's a real risk of having your ankle or your toe caught yeah while you're dancing exactly so the that dance specifically um is supposed to mimic um a bird that's indigenous in the philippines and supposed to mimic its movement because it hops around aha uh-huh. And so. what it reminds me of is um, a few years back, I think Matt Gallus unearthed some uh, some drawings. Some this is linking it back to Hema and swords, just briefly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in um, I think it was in Brussels or or somewhere like that. They they used to do um, <clears throat> where was it? Somewhere in Europe, anyway. They used to. I think it was in in Germany or France or. Or, or somewhere or, or Belgium that they used to do sword dances and they yeah. would they would put the feathers this was with feather swords so this was to sort of celebrate um the tournaments and the competitions that they had mm-hmm. they would uh put the swords across their shoulders in a lattice similar kind of pattern mm-hmm. and, and so people, the the men would stand in a circle and they they put the feathers across them across their shoulders and then another pair of uh, fencers would stand on that lattice with feathers and act out uh, a duel, and that would wow. Be the yeah, I know, right? Okay, so I don't, I don't know if you know this, but there is also a cultural dance from the Philippines that's like that with bamboo as well. Mm. So it's called Sinkil. I'll have to show you a video of it, Thank but you. it's basically it's kind of the same, but it's more of like a courtship dance. So you have a princess. Mm-hmm. and you have two suitors and there's more bamboo involved in this more mm-hmm. than the other dance um because you have like two factions happening so there's actually a part in this dance where um the two um guys who are courting the princess start dueling so they'll have their swords and their shields out and they're just like swinging at each other as they're like dancing um cool. on the you know in between the bamboo and it's a totally different beat too. It's it's really awesome, and the the costumes are amazing. And they have you know they'd be like flourishing their you know their swords and stuff. So they're all like Filipino type swords and their mm. shields and stuff. And it's just it's one of my favorite dances to watch. Um, even as a kid, just as, it's cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they're fighting for her affection, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As you do. Exactly. Like, how else are you going to do it? <laughs> how else are you going to impress chicks? Exactly. Um, uh, factoid number six. Um, our very first podcast. Do you know when that was? Together. Was it in June? It was in June. Ah, yeah. I remember. Wow. Like, I'm, I, I'm actually impressed with my memory. Because I have a really bad memory. <laughs> So our first episode was called Swords and Mental Health. We just thought it would be a one-off. We yeah. didn't expect it to get to this. Um, <clears throat> it was third uh, of June this year, and it's been the, out of all of the I've, I've done a hundred more than a hundred episodes of the podcast. It's the fourth most popular episode ever. Wow! Yeah, that's so cool. That is, yeah. It's it's uh, it resonates. Um, I, yeah. 
I think so. And then that was the whole reason that we did it because, mm. you know, when we were, when we thought, when we considered doing an episode together, mm. it was basically us talking about like, you know, we've had all of these conversations. Like, I think people would like resonate with it, with all of this. Yeah. Cause like the whole, the whole model of every single source and health source and mental health episodes that we've ever done is just us talking with each other or sometimes yeah. with a friend who mm-hmm. will give us a different, you know, a, a, a similar or like a different perspective on things. Yeah. I think podcasts, you know, I never meant to start a podcast. Um, <laughs> it all happened. Everything so far has happened by accident. You don't know. I didn't wake up one day and go, I'm going to write, I'm going to do a podcast and it's going to be right. mental health and swords never happens that way it all kind of happened organically just like let's try this out see what happens but um sort of considered that a podcast would be the best medium for tackling um challenging topics yeah because you if you blog about this kind of stuff it either gets ignored at best or ripped apart uh, yeah you know and taken out of context that's the trouble with when you when people put their opinions online mm-hmm. in, in in written form it's so easy to dismiss obliterate and uh, just get it wrong if you want to know what we're saying in one of these podcasts you have to listen to it all yeah um and that means you know it's not a case of oh i can just skip to this bit and uh, see what she says here you can't you have to take the whole thing in its entirety if you really want to know what we're talking about and often Mm. along the way people find that I think at least listening to people feeding back to me is that yeah they relate they relate to a lot of the stuff that we say and and not only do they relate it kind of the stuff that we cover draws more questions you know to more things like what else what else is going unsaid in the community what else are we talking about amongst ourselves in society at large you know things about like taboo topics like like mental health and how you cope with you know navigating the world in a in a pandemic and living you know living in this you know in this world that we find ourselves in just it's all kind of stuff that I never thought I'd end up tackling in such a friendly and sort of organic and uh, comfortable way. It's not, you know, I, I did journalism at university, but I didn't think it would end up. <laughs> I didn't think it would be like this. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I think it works. I think, you know, doing podcasts, I, I agree with you. I think versus like just doing a blog, like it does, you know, get either ignored or torn apart. And also, like, when you think about it, it's very, it's it's a lot more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also easier to, like, it's easier to, it's easier to appreciate. Because you, you can just play it in the background. Yeah. You know, like, some while of my doing friends are like, yeah, we'll play it in the back, we'll play it while I'm working. Yeah. Um, listen to it. You know, you play while you're driving, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's It's easy. Like, you know, especially with, you know, being an adult or being a parent or just, you know, doing adult things like you don't it's it's sometimes it's almost always you have to multitask to do certain things a lot of things and I think that having the recording and not only that like they can hear our tone they can Mm. you know the emotions are a lot 
easier yeah. to like um kind of it, it it's a lot it, we're, we're we're reaching people like on an emotional level as well because they can hear us yes yeah i think yeah you hit the nail on the head it's tone you can't hear the tone in the written words I yeah mean, if you're an amazing writer you can convey it yeah but, uh, even then it's still subjective yeah exactly uh, it's still it's still going to be up to the person who's perceiving it you mm. know and who's reading it whether they're going to you know get the tone or not no matter how like good you've written something mm. now my final factoid uh, of the front of facts <laughs> is uh factoid number seven this will be the eighth episode of Swords and Mental Health. Um, I've got another episode, which at the time of recording, which hasn't been released yet, the one with Brittany. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that this is the third episode where it's just the, the two of us. It's just Frana. Uh, I think so. Yeah. So I think so. Yeah. So eight of these since June. Um, three with just us, and we want to do more. Um, yeah. I've, i you know, I've, people I've been interviewing recently, and people that have been messaging me. I'm like, oh yeah, I really want to get you on the show. And yeah, I've, I've messaged you, and like, I PM'd you. And said, oh, we should talk to this person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it, it's so exciting because like it it intersects. Like yeah. all of the people that you've interviewed for just like the regular Hema stuff and LARP mm-hmm. stuff. They're all even like the was that the the recent like Bohart people that you've um you've interviewed like it it, it all it, it all intersects with mental health in some way because we're all we're all dealing with it like especially you know right now mm. we're dealing with a global pandemic like everybody's going through something yeah like it's impossible to say you're not going through something like everybody's going through something and it will intersect and I think that you know it's it's important to pay attention to that and you know just talk about it because it shouldn't be a scary topic it shouldn't be um i mean i i started the i called the podcast of the event is called by the sword um and i'm coming from a hema background yeah often we talk about hema 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 but really i do want to i do want to reach the whole sword community yeah Um, it's not just Hema, it's reenactment, it's SCA, it's Boha, mm-hmm. yeah, LARP, it's cosplay. You know, anyone whose um, activity, passion, of it's sports fencing. You know, anyone who's involved in swords in some way. I've had antiques dealers. I've had swordsmiths. You know, we're right? All, like, we're all connected. We're all like, it's a bit. It's, it's a bit like you know, it's a big church. Yeah, we we're all kind of different. Uh, uh factions and fractions of it um and it's it's interesting to talk to people like Raquel Skellington the other day the Mm -hmm. last lady and her experience you know all the stuff that she was saying I could imagine that you were at home nodding your head yeah (laughs) yeah I I know this experience you know it doesn't matter whether you're doing laugh or whether you're doing SCA you will have been affected um by the stuff but also it's not just it's not just like the negatives it's also things like you know why you started in the first place because because it's cool yeah we all have that in common 
Um, yeah. There's like no, like not everybody has like, you know, a profound story of how it is. Just like it's cool. It's just cool. <laughs> yeah. Like when people go, why do you do sorts? Oh, because I want to be a knight and I want to get in touch with my ancestors and all this Oh, stuff. no. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just cool. It's just cool. <laughs> sorts are really cool. Um, so this episode um, is our end of year sort of wrapping up slash AMA. So mm-hmm. we've talked. We've talked about you and me. Now it's time to um, look at the questions that uh, our listeners have sent in. Yes. So, um, have you got the questions there up in front of you, John? Um, hold on. I think I may have lost it. No, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to listen to them, um, and and then we'll we'll react. So, first question comes from um, Ali. If you could go back to face a person that you had had an encounter with before that didn't go so well, if you could go back to say or do something to them now, what would it be? Would it be redoing an engagement, saying something you wish you would have said then? Was there something that you regretted doing? So first question comes from Ali. Okay. And so what do you think? If you could go back to face a person that you had an encounter with that didn't go well, if you could go back and do something to them, what would it now, what would it be? You know, if you could go back and change it, basically. <laughs> now, I had a bit of a thing with this question. Uh, now, Ali's a friend of yours. Uh, yes. You know her better than I do. And I was when I heard this question, I was like, is she talking about Hema or is she talking about ex-boyfriend? I, I feel like we can answer like both. I think we should answer in terms of Hema and then in terms of like relationships. Relationships or... in general. Yeah. Interpersonal. I mean, this is going to, yeah, this is supposed to be like a wrap up, like fun episode. So we always, we always have like, and that's, and this is the thing with, with all of our um, sorts of mental health episodes is that like, it's not, it's not just Hema centric. Like we are always like tying it in with our personal lives, with our personal relationships, and vice versa. Mm. So, is there anything you can think of? Uh, oh my gosh! That you would go back <laughs> do you want to start and redo? <laughs> okay. Do you, want, do you want me to do it? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, when I saw this, I thought about. I initially, when I when I heard the question, I was like is she talking about swords is she talking about I was thinking like maybe like a tournament or something like that and I and I thought I was reminded of that occasion I have mentioned this in previous podcasts when I was a very new tournament fencer and I took a big hit to the leg Um, oh yeah I remember that yeah it was at swordfish it was like something like swordfish 2013 or 14 or something like that and this dude had been running back and forth between two tournaments. He was doing the longsword tournament and the rapier and dagger tournament. And me being like a, a rapier fencer, had not done any longsword at that point, was just expecting someone to do rapier at me. And he and I was wearing very sort of thin, light, um, uh, like pants, trousers. Mm. And this guy did a massive, uh, big cut to my thigh, and. I ended up with a bruise that lasted for several years. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, it just went on and on. It was really bad. And um, and I remember at the time it was agony and I cried and the people in the ring, the staff were like, you okay? 
And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) And if I could go back, I would have said, no, I'm not fine. I'm going to quit. Because one of the things that I've also said in these episodes is that that my my coach, uh, Phil Marshall, said to me, you can always press eject. And that was the point to that was the point to pull out and say no more. Yeah. Only just because of just for me. But to also make a point that that is not acceptable to a hit that hard yes and b as as people running a tournament to go this is acceptable i mean Mm. it's just it's just not it's just not a thing i think in terms of my safety and my well-being and anyone else's if if no one's gonna sort of set a precedent then then i've got to do it you know, if yeah. I could, if I could go back to myself, I would say just step out. You don't need to keep going. You're not achieving anything by continuing. Yeah, just for your own sake, just stop. Um, but I think, apart from that, if, if if just for the sort of that's just a safety thing. Um, if we're talking like interpersonal interactions, it's always, you know, <laughs> it's always easy to, you know, what they say hindsight is always twenty twenty. Right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you can you always you can always have a a, a great comeback line mm-hmm. the next day. Yeah, <laughs> always, always. But, it's usually I mean, like during the shower, and you're like, yeah. "Wow, like I should have said this instead." <laughs> but what would it achieve, really? What would it achieve apart Nothing. from feeling? Yeah. yeah, would it really achieve anything? You don't know. Yeah, um, a, a friend of mine. A, um Adele wearing she was uh, an editor on one of the or several of the books that uh, that uh, I got published in she said to me never regret anything mm-hmm. because at the time it was exactly what you wanted yes yeah um and I hold to that you know yeah we as people are continuously in flux yeah you know, we are different people from one day to the next yeah um, I'm not the same person I was a few hours ago. I'm not the same person I was last week. Yes. You know, my experiences since then have shaped and changed me and made me who I am right now in this moment in time. So yeah. I'm not really a big, oh, I want to go back and change things, you know? Yeah. It's not something I, I it's, I don't want to hold on to the past too much. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. I, I, I was thinking about the same thing, like when I read the questions before we started recording and I honestly like also even the even the crappy stuff that <laughs> happened. I'm like, I really don't want to change anything. And, you know, because there's always like a lesson to be learned with every single regrettable moment. Yeah. Um, in terms of Hema, though, like I do have some some of my own regrets. But like in terms of like my personal life and, you know, personal relationships and all that like there's even even the awful people that I've met and Mm -hmm. people who've hurt me you know there's still some things that like oh you know there's there's a part of me that feels like I didn't deserve any of that and that Mm -hmm. I hope it didn't happen but you know I'm also like it's happened and this is where I'm at yeah but you know I still was able to get some lessons out of it and you're right, like, you know, at the time that I did the things that I, you know, at, at some point I regretted doing, it, it is what I wanted at the time. You're right. And, 
you know, there's no use in like saying, oh, well, I should have done this and said this. Like, and I feel like there's also like, there's also a, it, it's normal to think that, but like to dwell on it isn't a good thing. No. It's, 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 I, I've, at least with me, there's always going to be a moment where I'm like, ugh, why did I do that? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, I really, I, I was into that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I don't I don't mean to sort of you know minimize any sort of traumatizing experience that anyone yeah. may have gone through you know you don't you did not deserve that um, yeah no but not have gone through that mm-hmm. no but I, I I definitely agree with what you said it, it's about not dwelling in it there mm. is you you know it's it's more about like acknowledging it and saying okay and I think you know in ter- like not necessarily regretting something but more like what can you do moving forward mm-hmm. so that that doesn't happen again? Or like if it happens again, you'd have, have a good. better understanding and a better reaction to it mm-hmm. and a better attitude toward it. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, because it will, because there, there will be times where, you know, lessons from the past will crop up, you know, things that may have happened before will happen again. You know, even with the, you know, in your, in your case, like, you know, you thought about, you know, you should have ejected you should have hit that eject button when you were fighting that guy but you kept going yeah you know and and from that time and the lessons that you've learned from that you kind of move forward and when those things you know similar events happened again what lessons did you learn from that particular moment you know what I mean yeah and I'm kind of like in in instead of just going around and be like oh my god like that 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 shit sucks it's more like okay that shit sucked yeah <laughs> but what are what am I doing moving forward and that's something that like I always like also like tell my kid whenever they make mistakes or I make a mistake and we talk about it like okay this sucks like okay but nothing really bad happened mm-hmm. um what do we do moving forward mm-hmm. it's always that question because whatever is done is done it's more yeah. about like the present and how you're going to handle it in the future if it happens again and if you remember it you know what I mean yeah it's um it's to to just to bring it back to Hema briefly in every encounter you win or you learn yeah exactly exactly like my regrettable Hema moment would be like my first cutting tournament which is I should like I don't regret doing it like I'm happy that I did it but mm-hmm. like I should have had someone check my sword <laughs> what you wish you prepped better or... I've, I wish I would prep better um a lot of people who saw me at the competition said that I had good form and I had decent technique but the problem I had was I did not prep my weapon uh-huh. and I was cutting with a dull sword oh damn yeah and looking back at it now even then um they were like damn well you were cutting you cut like through most of that tatami with a dull sword and Mm. i was like yeah i didn't even know (laughs) so in a way like you know I'm, i'm glad that i did it because i learned a lot from it i wasn't sure what i was doing and what i was getting into when i when i entered but definitely I should have like prepped more and yeah. you know moving forward you know definitely can make sure that my weapons you know in you know competition shape that it's not dull 
Yeah. And it's like, it's like, it's kind of like embarrassing. And I'm like, well, you know, it's kind of embarrassing, but also not because like, I know that I can generate enough power. Because if I can cut through with a dull sword, I can cut through with a sharp sword. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just want to add here, like when we say dull, you're talking uh, relatively compared to the, the other. Yeah. yeah. Sword. It wasn't actually a dull. I mean, it, I'm sure if it was in the UK or any other European country or we don't cut all that much, we'd probably consider it to be a very sharp sword. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, definitely. Um, I didn't see I, I didn't find out to like right like before the competition i showed my friend my my sword and he's like well you should probably cut on this side it's a little bit sharp and i was like what do you mean and i was like ah fuck (laughs) (laughs) and then and then um my friend jeremy um he actually he took home gold for advanced cutting and um he was he was showing me some swords at um combat con he's like you should use this sword instead and then um, he's, he, I showed him my sword when we got back to Utah. And he was like, this sword is a travesty. The edges are a travesty. I'm going to take, take it home right now. Like, literally, like, as soon as he saw it, I'm going to take this home and, like, get rid of a dull-ass sword from the world. Like, I will consider this my, um, my, my, uh, his, his public service. And oh, I was man. like, okay, I appreciate it. So that's how bad it was. Um, but. I also like learned at that time because I was really frustrated yeah. with my performance because I'm like, I've cut to Tommy before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know I can cut through it. So I was so frustrated when I went to the competition and I was like, what the fuck? Like, oh. what is going on? Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, why am I not cutting through this? And then I realized that like, I should have prepped because the problem wasn't my power, not necessarily my form. It was that I did not think about prepping my weapon I didn't think about like you know having someone look at it and see if it's you know competition ready and so that's probably like my biggest like regret this year Um, and still new so like I'm sure there'll be like others later on but like that would be like the biggest thing yeah Um, just because like it made me doubt my abilities At the time, I was like, I know I can do this because I've done this before. Like, what is different now? Yeah. So, yeah. It's a bit like what we were saying about height. You know, you think, oh, I'm a shitty fencer. No, everyone's just taller than you. Yeah. So, the moment you fight someone who's more your size, you suddenly realize, actually, I'm a pretty decent fencer. I'm just going to yeah. let my dog in because she's scratching at the door. And it's, okay. It's annoying. So, uh, on to our next question. Um, This comes from Alan. Hi, this is Alan. So, I want to know what you all think about gatekeeping in HEMA. And what can someone who's been around for a while do to encourage and keep new students, right? Like, uh, as a straight white guy, what can I do to not gatekeep, even unintentionally, and get more people into my club? Donna, gatekeeping in HEMA. We did we did a whole episode on this um, yeah. with our friends Alex and Esther. Yeah. Um, it was it wasn't part. Well, it didn't officially get called one of the sorts of mental health episodes, but it was basically the sim- similar kind of format. So yeah. 
elitism and Hema continues to be the most popular episode of this podcast. Absolutely. Um, I can, and, and I can understand why. Yeah. Uh, gatekeeping. I think people think of gatekeeping in a very kind of like, they think of it in a kind of like a fandom way. Like you're not yeah. cool enough to like this stuff kind of thing, but actually it operates in a very intersectional way. Um, and it's gatekeeping in terms of things like HEMA can be um, unintentional. Yeah. Um, so people can find like, even with the best intentions, um, like, oh, we welcome anyone. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go and look at the club and everyone's six foot white dudes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> who, uh, exactly who big tall strong white guys uh, and that's it um and then they wonder and then they wonder why there's no one else there or they probably don't even wonder why uh, yeah. it's just people like themselves probably quite like it for all yeah. we know but you know it is a form of gatekeeping to yeah. have a lack of diversity in your club or your school um because you're not making any effort to attract anyone who isn't like you. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, like, we have tackled this um, in various ways. And people people message me in private a lot as by the sword, like, on my Instagram, and go, what can I do? How can I get yeah. more women in my club? And, I no, I did, I did do a... I did do a... A Tumblr post on this like I had a top 10 things you can do but actually now if someone asks me that question I just say buy Kaya Sadowski's book yeah just just read it uh, yeah and, and if you haven't heard me mention it before it's called Fear is the Mind Killer by Kaya Sadowski who is a uh, HEMA instructor in Vancouver Canada and it's basically a brilliant guide on creating a resilient supportive and strong community mm -hmm. um which encourages diversity and people from all backgrounds which is what we want yeah um, really um any thoughts Jenna? um i think in terms of like gatekeeping in hema and I always talk about this, like, I think accessibility as well, because like, yes. I feel like when you, I, you know, when I started as a beginner, you know, I, it, it, it does feel overwhelming. Mm -hmm. It does feel um, uh, intimidating yeah. to, you know, because big swords, you're using foreign, you're using German words in my case, you know, you're using <laughs> foreign words. Yeah. And you're moving unnaturally. Like, none of these, like, sword movements, like, all of these drills, like, you don't move like this in normal life. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, making things accessible, especially for beginners, is a good, like, start um, in terms of lessening that gatekeepiness of things. Yeah. Because um, not everybody is going to be able to remember an Unterhau or an Oberhau, you know, yeah. and, like right away and using like, you know, even just accessibility in the language that you use, mm -hmm. especially for new people, I think is great. Like, I feel like, you know, 
later on maybe you can use like the fancier the right the right words the correct the more correct terms but Mm -hmm. um you know i think language can also play a part in the gatekeepiness of things um because you could be like a beginner and then like you go to a class for the first time and then the you know the instructor would be like okay we're gonna practice like all of these things and we're gonna use like all of these like german words that you've never heard of yeah um and even though like even if they give you the basics on, on how to do it like just switching it to like okay we're gonna do like an ascending cut yeah you know what i mean and then like just attaching the german word later on like it's still like it it, it, it will help lessen the intimidation factor in my opinion because mm-hmm. um, that's kind of like what I kind of struggled with in the beginning was just like remembering foreign words and yeah. with my crappy memory I'm just like what is that again <laughs> you know what I mean? me, like, even I'm... today like even now like I'm in the advanced class and they would like throw a German word at me and I'm like uh which one is that <laughs> like oh. what do you do with that one you know so so for me, um, it's important the, to know the terminology f- full on, mm-hmm. um, and I think sort to sort of meet you halfway here. I would say, in presenting the terminology in a way that makes it understandable, is important yeah. because the whole reason we use the terminology into how over how is so that if we meet someone from outside our club who practices the same style as us yeah we can share the knowledge even if they're from another country even if they don't speak the same language it's like i went to germany and i i could say you know i could say an italian term to these german folks who study italian fencing and And they would understand it it. yeah what it means because they've learned it too they may have learned it slightly in a slightly different you know interpretation but they'll get it yeah, no, um, I, I I agree. I think that's a, I think that is a good point. Um, yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I, I will th- not that, repeat yeah, that. You're right. Uh, it, I think what the tr- the trouble is when someone just says "unterhau" at you and expects you to know exactly what that means, and you're still going, I don't quite remember what that one is. Yeah, so, like yeah. With my beginners, I at the start of every lesson, I'll go right revision time. What does this mean? What does that mean? yeah or or, or it, it, it what will do sorry i won't even ask them to say stuff i'll just say the name of something and see if they can remember what that looks like yeah like so yeah. i'll say guardi di testa and i'll say what does that look like and i'll ask them to just perform it so they're not yeah. even they're not even having to say the word they just have to show they understand the word yeah yeah um, and I, I guess what we're trying to like meet here with is like having accessible an accessible way of teaching it yeah like i think this is like kind of like what we're kind of combining here with our thoughts it's like mm-hmm. the way that you teach it so that it's still accessible without compromising um you know the actual text and the actual words terminologies and stuff yeah because yeah because like the, t- the the text let's face it isn't easy at all yeah it's you know there is this kind of idea of hema is essentially unlocking the text and turning it into physical movements that is it at its essence but that process is complex and it involves so much energy and combined effort uh, from the whole community to do yeah um so you know 
putting as much effort into making that that information understandable and accessible uh, to to as many people as possible is the only way we're going to get it to be more um, accessible, as you say. is It's such a niche hobby. It, yeah, <laughs> and, and um, you know, it can be. It, you could you could argue that it is niche because people aren't open enough about it. Yeah, I remember absolutely. when I started um, in 2010, people were. This is, I think, I think the Wicton Owl was still in its infancy then. Mm-hmm. People were doing Hema now, kind of like, oh yeah, I'll just look up that treatise on the Wicton Owl, or I'll get it, this PDF. Yeah, uh, of the thing. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, you just I'll just Google it. Oh, there's yeah. a PDF. Oh, someone's done a translation. Cool. Or I'll buy the book off Amazon. Yeah. When I, when I started doing Hema in 2010, everyone had photocopies of photocopies, like Xeroxes mm. of Xeroxes, mm-hmm. and they would jealously hoard them like like dragons. And you know, yeah, <laughs> they didn't yeah. want to like share. That's their research. Sword smouts. Yeah, they were smouts. They were. They were like this is mine and and they would sort of jealously guard the knowledge and because it was like everyone was doing it and then things like the wig to now started and then it became it suddenly became you know uh, free and freely available and uh all this stuff just all this information started to flow and things got better but even with that, even with the attitude of like, you know, we're sharing this information, it's still just because it's there doesn't mean it's accessible. Yeah. It's still like a very dense text. Yeah. Uh, even if someone's translated it, it's like, but what does it mean? And, you know, it takes hours and hours, years of study yeah. to, to convert it into, you know, and, and try and understand it. I mean, basically, people take a text, interpret it, and they will just do that forever until I don't know they'll meet other people and go what do you think of this and they'll argue about it and they'll work yeah. through it and so it's it's just a continuous work in progress so anything we can do to make that process easier I mean we need a probably another great technological leap forward some kind of app or something that will just make it easier for people to work with the text I think yeah because because I think again it goes back to accessibility like there's not a lot of people who are studying it and doing you know interpretations and stuff and I feel like the more people who are studying it the more we can move forward with you know the learning but like if it's even like like what you're saying even if it's on google now and it's you know it's all synthesized into one website it's still dense it's still a lot of stuff to be mm. working with and again like you were saying like you know you can't it's, it's kind of hard to access on the phone too because I've tried it <laughs> it's kind of hard but you're right like it, it does stop someone you know unless you have like a laptop and a, an internet connection yeah. or you know a computer it's harder to like work with mm. um, you know unless you have like a printed copy but yeah it definitely there has to be some other progress that we got to make and it shouldn't just stop at Wicked Hour where it is right now. Yeah. Okay, on to our next question. This one comes from Kelsey, a very sweet lady who does boho. Um I think she's from Tennessee. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know her. Do you? Well, I mean, we follow each other on Instagram. Oh, she's so. 
Well, for starters, I just want to say that you ladies are all so inspirational and you guys mean so much to me. Thank you so much for doing this um, podcast. It's been absolutely amazing. Um, a question that I would have personally is what are some ways you guys have found some healthy ways to cope when you feel burnt out from either doing too much or trying too hard and how you cope with not only recognizing that you are burnt out, but also how to continue in taking care of yourself in that place. So I love you ladies. Thank you so much. So um, she's uh, asking what are some healthy ways that we have found to cope from being burnt out or from either doing, from either doing too much or trying too hard. Uh, what are some ways you found to not only recognize that you're feeling burnt out, but also to continue taking care of yourself? So, Jana, do you want to lead this one? Um, I think it comes to, like, feeling burnt out, like, knowing that it's okay to stop and take mm-hmm. a break. And and also, like, know that, like, swords are always going to be there yes. when you come back. And your friends yeah. are always going to be there when you come back. Yeah. And that's it's absolutely okay to pause because you need it. Because, like, in my case, like, I would, and a lot of people, I think, know this by now, I fucking love swords. Like, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and it's not in a way that, like, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to compete. I'm going to, like, be so good at it. And, mm. you know, like, win medals and stuff. Like, I literally just, like, enjoy every aspect of it, whether it's just mm. looking at, like, the illustrations yeah. in the text and, like, laughing at the pictures or just like moving my sword around and you know just doing drills and stuff i literally get joy from that yeah. i've never aside from that cutting competition i've never been in a tournament ever mm-hmm. like fighting other people and you know i'm excited to do it later on but like i am still excited with just being able to have a sword and do things with a sword and you know it all goes back to like my own enjoyment of it and when it got to the point where I don't feel when when it starts getting to not really like when it starts getting to the point where I feel like it's becoming work for me yes that's when I'm like I don't I don't want I don't want this type of like perspective to ruin my love for swords yeah and you know, it's it's kind of like I know like people who like know me and like follow me, like <laughs> they know how much I love trebuchets. <laughs> it's a silly thing. People have asked me, like, why do you like trebuchets? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just like them. I think they're fun. Cool. I think I get excitement, like you know, seeing this like machine, you know, that's not powered by electricity, like throw like things at really like you know, long distances. It's just Listen, fun for listener, me. Listeners, uh, John has built a trebuchet to throw dog treats for <laughs> Okay, that's fun. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, I, I was talking to someone recently and they were like, you should build, like, you should have more than one trebuchet. I'm like, you know, you're not wrong. I do need more than one trebuchet. I should probably have them in different sizes. But um, it's the same thing. Um, That's how I feel about swords. Like, I do, mm. like, the martial aspect of it, you know, the martial art, learning the the plays and learning different systems. But at the end of the day, it's the joy that it brings to me. 
like I, I'm still gonna be happy, you know, doing doing swords even though I'm not doing tournaments or I'm not reading the text, not doing the place and stuff. It's fine. But once it starts becoming a burden to me, that's when mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I need to step back because I do not want to lose my love for this. Yeah. You know, if somebody tasked me to like make a trebuchet, I'm like, no, I'm not gonna do that. Like for a job, <laughs> like no. Like I will make it for like my own enjoyment, for my own pleasure, but like I'm not gonna like do it because I have to. When it starts becoming a have to, mm. when it starts becoming a responsibility, like it's like some like when it starts to feel like I have to prove myself, mm. that's when because I have those moments too. I've had those moments recently. Like I feel like it's a good like benchmark, like, you know, now that I have all of my gear. Now that I've been out there and, you know, I can spar, um, I know enough basic things now that I can fight people. It's almost like I, I, I had this moment where I'm like, I feel like I'm not doing enough anymore. Mm. And that's when I'm like, that's when like the negative feelings started kind of bubbling up to the surface for me. And I, I was not happy about that. I was like, you know, that's when... I got to the point where I'm like, maybe this isn't for me. And I know we talked about this in mm. um, the past episode with Brittany and Kirsten. And that's when I said, you know, that's when I stopped, like, for a moment, I was like, maybe I should quit. Mm. Because it was more of like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not performing enough. And that's when I figured out, like, okay, I'm, I think I'm burning out. Because yeah. I have not... I've. I have very little joy. I, I'm still enjoying it. But at the same time, it's starting to become more of like a, what can I do to be better so that I can prove that I am better? When yeah. actually like the only like kind of like bar that I have to like really look at is my own. Exactly. Um, but like that, but it's kind of hard once you become more familiar with, you know, how things work at tournaments, like how you know how people fight and you look at yourself and the way that you fight and then you start comparing which you shouldn't do no but you should kind of in a way but like it's kind of hard to like not like look at people and then like reflect back you know especially when you're like looking at people you admire yeah you think Um, i should be like them yeah like i want to be like that like i say that all the time like i want to have you know but but at the same time I shouldn't be them because I can never fight like you. Yeah, I can me. never yeah. fight. I can different. never fight like Kristen. I can never fight like Brittany. I, I have, I, I have to learn how to fight like me, mm-hmm. because I'm built differently, mm-hmm. and you know and that's just what I need to like remind myself. And I think, you know, what helped me is that from burning out and like completely quitting Hema, is reframing the way I perceive my fencing Ooh. and the way and the way I mark my progress mm-hmm. um because it's only been like technically like it's technically I've been introduced to Hima I've been in Hima for two years but technically training wise I've only been training like a year and a half at most mm-hmm. and you know thinking about it now and you know talking to like you and like other people that have like you who met me when I first started like really like getting into like human training you know they're like well you've done a lot 
and you've progressed a lot Ooh. from you know a year and a half ago and and that's something that like when you're in when you're in that bu- when you're in your own bubble you don't really think about that unless no. you really like zoom it all the way back and even then you know you don't really see the 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 depth of the work that you've put in and mm. you know the the imp- how large the improvements have been um you can see some like in my opinion like i've seen like you know i've seen my improvements but like coming from like someone who's been doing it for a while they're like yeah it's significant like you've done a lot and you've achieved a lot in such a short amount of time and just hearing that from people and this was like right when I was just like talking to my friends and I'm like I don't know it's getting frustrating you know accessibility just gear and all that like I just feel like this isn't for me yeah and then you know to be reminded of like but you've done all of this and then you got to this point a year and a half later and you've done all of this and I'm just like, well, wow, so actually a really good reminder. I have done all of that, <laughs> like, in that amount of time, which I think isn't like, you know, I was also like going through like a lot of personal stuff. And that's mm-hmm. when we first started becoming friends. Like when yeah. we became friends, I was going through a huge life shift as well. Yeah. And Hemo was like one consistent thing that never changed. Like yeah. when we met, I was living in Florida. Yeah. No. Yeah, I was living in Florida. I was in Florida for like a month. That's when we first started talking. Yeah. Or was it? No, it was. I was. No, I was living in Tennessee, I think. But I was like everywhere at the time. <laughs> the height of the pandemic. I, you know, my ex, my partner of like seven years had broken up with me. And I was rendered homeless. And I was just couch surfing for four months. Mm. And Hemo was the one consistent thing that was there that I was able to do and you know just it like looking back at it to the point where I was like thinking of like quitting Mm. but then being reminded of like how much it's carried me and the people that I've met through it Mm -hmm. like it's helped me like pull back and say okay I just need to like reframe things I just need to like chill yeah um I don't know. I feel like I went on a tangent there. No, but... <laughs> no. So you, 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 you know, you, we, we forgot factoid number eight. Like, one of the things we bonded over was that we both had just finished, um, you know, long-term relationships. My my marriage ended and yeah. uh, you'd ended a, a long-term relationship with someone that you thought, you know, you were going to be with for the rest of your life. Yeah. So, you know, you go through these, like, massive, like, tectonic shifts. Uh, yeah. And then there's something like HEMA, which is like the only constant in your universe. Yeah. Um, and that's an important thing to remember when we're talking about burnout is like what what burnout is. I saw a thing on this earlier. You know, Instagram's a great teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, it's like burnout is just simply not having enough resources. Yeah. That's all it is. It's not having enough resources, whether that's yeah. time whether that's mental energy, whether that's, you know, the things you need to do the thing you want to do. Yeah. If you don't have the resources, uh, you won't, you know, something is going to, it's going to go, it's going to be taken from somewhere and then it starts to take from you. It starts to take from you personally. Yeah. And that's yeah. when you get used up and that's when they talk about, you know, you can't fill from an, you can't give from an empty cup and, you know. Yeah. So, 
I think you hit the nail on the head, John, when you said what the word work, it stops becoming, it stops being a passion and it starts to become a job. Yeah. And, or a duty. And like, I think I said this to you and Kimmy uh, this week in yeah. our group chat, I was like, uh, in, in um, Jon Snow, I think in Game of Thrones says, yeah. uh, love is the death of duty or exactly. duty is the death of love. So mm-hmm. it's like the moment the thing you love starts to become a duty, it's a sign that you're burning out because you're disconnected from it and it's you're doing it on autopilot because you feel like you should. Yeah. And then you start to then you start to resent it because you're, yeah. you've you've ended up being locked into this thing and you mm. feel like you can't put it down. Um because if you do, you'll be letting other people down. And then yeah. you're not doing it for you anymore. You're doing it for other people. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. it's got to be. It's got to be. You're doing it for you. Um, and on this note, it's like it's made. I've been really, really analysing my relationship with Hema re- recently. Like I'll, I'll, I'll have been doing Hema for twelve years in April, mm-hmm. and you know, for I like to think for for most of those years, it's been something that I love, and I. And I really enjoy, and it's my life kind of thing. It's a, I say it's a lifestyle. It's not a hobby. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. It's 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 a passion. Um. But that said, Hema, like I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, is a and the sword community in general is a very broad church. It encompasses many things. It isn't a monolithic way. There isn't one way to do Hema. Mm-hmm. Um. And my kind of path has like taken me from like being to being an event organizer to being a tournament fencer being an instructor all these things and some of those things continue to bring me joy and some of them don't anymore yeah and I'm thinking like well when we're we're talking about resources um I don't have all the resources to do all the things I want to do so it's like when my marriage ended, I had to stop doing lots of the things that I did because I just didn't have the capacity. I like said to all my colleagues at the school, right, I'm going to just back right out of all of this stuff. You guys take the wheel. You know, yeah. I, continue, I continue to be an instructor, but like in terms of organisation stuff, I was forced to delegate mm-hmm. to people because I just like up until then, I've been spinning all, lots of plates on my own. And thinking, yeah, I'm, you know, going back to being like the tough bitch or whatever. Yeah, I can do this kind of thing. Yeah. It, it, you just can't, you know, even if you think you can, you can't. You need other people. The whole sort of that constant uh, of the sword community always being there, like you said, swords will always be there. You can yes. step away from it. It's not going to fall apart. <laughs> it's not going to collapse just because you you stepped away you can step away recuperate and come back to it and it will still be there exactly I think that thing you were saying about should I quit I haven't you know and then people saying reflecting back to you look how much you've progressed look how much you've done I think the reason we we fail to see our pro we there are no metrics in HEMA yeah there is no kind of it's not like if you take there's no the, milestones that, there's no milestones that, that's, that's set yeah I mean I I imposed some in my school like after 30 hours 200 hours 400 hours you get a milestone literally yeah. um 
you get a rank or whatever and people appreciate that because it shows them their progress but if you compare HEMA to something like uh, weightlifting if you're if that's something you can do on your own and you can see your progress it's like I can do this many reps with this much weight you know or and if I have a break because I've been ill or sick or you know eaten too many pies whatever and I need to come back to it I can see where I am yeah I can see where I was and I can see where I need to get to you just don't get that in HEMA the only metric the only metric people well most people have is medals yeah um and sometimes it's and that in itself can be really just like I'm thinking about Kelsey now because she's a boha uh, fighter and uh I know they train really hard um and like and in the these teams they want to go out and win stuff and I can imagine having like goals to win this competition or to compete in whatever tournament is a great motivator but also it can be really disheartening if that's the only metric you've got to measure yourself absolutely absolutely because not everybody and this is something that i think we talked about when we were doing the episode with rebecca and um rachel Mm. i think it was rebecca who said it not everybody wants to compete or keep competing no not everybody's comfortable fighting a stranger and if you're right if that is the only measure or metric of you know your progress in HEMA then it is kind of it's 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 inaccessible to some people yeah it is um I when I went to uh an event weekend before last I volunteered to referee and I was so looking forward to it it was an event that I originally was a founder of this sort of series of events and um it was like right this is my happy place this is this is what I live for right yeah and I I was in the room it's like there's all my friends there's all the community there's all the familiar faces and everyone was working their tits off you know working really hard you know refing tabling Mm -hmm. organizing running around and I was like yay and then I just thought this is work. Yeah. <laughs> this is work. It's, this is stressful. Okay, the, I understand. Like, we work really hard. Like, we do a whole full-on day, and then we go down the pub and we celebrate or whatever. But still, I was like, a big part of me was like, I am not enjoying this anymore. This is work. <laughs> this isn't joy. This isn't yeah. bringing me joy. Compare that to an event that I went to up in the Midlands a few weeks previously, which was just a free play event. It's just literally meet folks from other clubs and you can go up to, it's a big in a big hall. And all you do is you go, do you want a fence? Okay. What weapons have you got? Okay. How, what intensity do you want? And all that kind of stuff. Just yeah. like I was saying in the previous podcast. And it was fun. I had so much fun. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. I, I and I you know, I didn't get into HEMA to make like a name for myself or make a career out of it. There's like no career. I mean, I guess you can be like an instructor or whatever, but like I didn't like come to it to like get renowned. Like I just thought of school and it looked fun. Mm. Um, you know, and 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 I, I feel like at the end of the day that's what should be the most important thing. Like it is, really should. I'm you know, it's just the joy that it brings you, which is I, I Remember the guy I was telling you about, the one that messaged me 
asking me if I really do enjoy just doing like drills and stuff because I look like I'm enjoying it I'm like yes like absolutely like you know and this person said that they were you know they they medal and tournaments and stuff and you know that they feel a little bit jealous that like I'm like very like happy with what I'm doing like having never been like on a tournament or won any medals I'm like I don't need medals to like make me happy mm-hmm. like you know just the fact that I'm able to do this that my body is capable of doing a lot of these things like yeah that does bring me enough joy like you know it'd be cool one day if I'll w- win medals but like that's that's not my end goal yeah I think yeah I've you know gone from like being a very competitive I wasn't ultra competitive but I was in the competition scene you know I was an mm-hmm. organizer and I would compete and, and this kind of stuff and and I was I was very pro competition and I still am I still think that if you want to do competition go for it but it isn't necessary it's not one of the boxes that you have to tick yeah it's it's something you know if it's in you to sort of test yourself under pressure against other people then fine but yeah. I, for me, it's got to the point where the t- the returns are diminishing. You know, the amount of effort uh, it takes to participate in and run a competition yeah. compared to the rewards that you get back, I don't think it's good value anymore. Not for me personally. For, for some people, maybe. But for me, I, I think I'm I'm not going to do competition for a while, either competing. Or, or organizing like even within my own school I think I'm gonna sort of take a back seat and just like say yeah I'll organize the party afterwards that's fine <laughs> I'm not I'm not really not um you know I'm really not as in love with it as I once was it's kind of like it feels like the end of something to me it felt when I walked out of that hall the other day I felt like I was saying goodbye to a chapter yeah to be honest and it wasn't even sad it was kind of like a relief yeah it's like so much so much work so much effort and I think you got to take that attitude like if you're starting to see something as an effort and um something that's just a duty and a job you got to step away from it otherwise it will you will just end up resenting it and you won't love it anymore exactly and I think that's that's a key to like you know preventing burnout or like mm-hmm. knowing that you're at the cusp of it yeah like, do things that you love exactly do the things you love right next question is from your pal ali once more so i'll just make another if there is one thing that you could change during your journey for sword fighting what would it be was there something you wish you could have handled differently was there something in your head a different mindset you wish you would have had what is something that till today you wish you could just go back and just change it? At the time. Um, and yeah, so if there's one that she, she likes the time travel. She likes the time travel. <laughs> so one thing. I mean, I do love Doctor Who and I'm into the idea of time travel. So let's do this. <laughs> Fran and Jana's excellent adventure. Uh, Something you changed during your sword fighting journey, what would it be? Something you wish you handled differently, a different mindset, something you wish you could go back and just change. Um, hmm. I'll, start start... This, I'll start this one because you started okay. the last one. So 
Uh, it's kind of similar to the last one, I guess, really, like about going back in time. A different mindset is an interesting one because the mindset, like we were saying, like the mindset we've got now, us now, you and I, is completely different from the one we had 365 days ago. Yeah. Um, um, I think the, the, the mindset that you have at the time is the one that you is the only one that you had um and the, the you that you were then was the one only you that was available if you could go back and change it I think yeah I think similar to the last one I would have just I think I would have spoken out more um I'm not going to go into detail about about anyone in particular here but there have been times over the years where um people's behavior starts to become patterns you know what does it was it they say once is a mistake twice is a pattern um and if they're people that we are friends with we're like we're more likely to forgive them Mm -hmm. um and you know if we're going to be good something that i would probably wish i had would be being good enough of a friend to someone to stand up to them yeah um i think that's why i think um neville longbottom is probably one of my biggest heroes in the harry potter franchise because he's the only one who's got the guts to stand up to his friends yes um which is something that not many people have yeah Um, and then we're kind of bordering on um um uh enabling people yeah absolutely Um, so it's you know turning a blind eye laughing stuff off letting people get away with things that they probably shouldn't get away with and Mm -hmm. i think if you're a people pleasing person if you're a libra or oh my god oh my god (laughs) that's a toxic trait so if you're like if you just if you don't if you're one of these people who wants to keep the peace anything for peace you know sometimes you have to be a bit brave and if something isn't right if you see someone's being a shitty person yeah um, i'm not i'm not talking just abuse or anything dark here i'm talking just you know out of line as a friend i would expect my friends to tell yeah. to put me in my place and say yeah friend you're being a dick don't do that think about it and i think i think i think as a friend i could have done that for for people in the past um but then again you know it's not on me to fix other people exactly Uh, exactly but you know it's it's as a community when we see people engaging in toxic behaviors or dodgy behaviors we are i think we have a duty to not enable it oh for sure for sure because in the long run it's not just gonna protect yourself but it's gonna protect everybody yeah because you know I, I just, I, I, it's, it's better to just nip it in the bud than let it become, you know, a liability later on. Yeah. Because honestly, like enabling people who have destructive behaviors or dangerous behaviors, mm. you know, it won't, they won't really bring, even if they do bring some kind of, you know, good things, quote unquote, to the, to the club or to the community does it really outweigh the crappy stuff you like, know especially uh, if it's going to alienate and hurt p- 
people. Yeah. I'm thinking of our episode Heavy Hitters, which we did recently. Mm-hmm. Which exactly. was off the back of someone who was a heavy hitter. And mm-hmm. people don't become heavy hitters in a vacuum. Exactly. They're it, turned into one. Yeah, it's repeat it's, they repeatedly do it with no one stopping them. Exactly, exactly. No, I definitely agree. Um so that was Ali's uh, time travel question number two. <laughs> I um, mean, in my um if there was something that I would change, I honestly like I, I feel like there's nothing that I, I um, the only thing I would change is I wish I would have started Hema sooner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because everything that like I myself have like learned about myself, like standing up for myself and you know, learning how to speak up, not just for myself, but for others and mm. just being more assertive, mm. you know, being raised traditional Filipino, being raised a girl. They don't really like teach little girls back home to be assertive. We started so, Hema at the same age, right? Yeah, yeah, I learned. Uh, yeah, I started in like my, like, yeah, I started in my 30s. Like, you were like, years, was, like a, I was like 31, 32 when I did. Same as me. Yeah. So, you know, I I grew up just not being assertive and mm. this definitely helped me, you know, not 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 to be like not to become rude or like too much. <laughs> but like <laughs> which I had like I had this thought but I will like come back to that later. But, you know, it helped me have confidence in myself and I know that I've said this before. It helped me trust myself more and it helped me trust my judgment. Mm. And I've also learned my boundaries. And, you know, in some ways, Hema has taught me how to say no. That it's okay to say no and not be afraid to tell people no. It's like um, um, etymology is one of my my things I love. I love the way the words work. Mm -hmm. And the word confidence is it it literally just means trust within. Yeah. That's all it is, is trusting yourself. Exactly. That you, within you, there is trust. Yeah, and, and that is what Hema brought for me. And I think for a lot of people is, you know, it, it's that trust in oneself. And mm. um, I'm really thankful. Like, I know that we've already passed the other um, one of Alan's questions. But um, I think if I if they didn't have the Gaga's event to give a girl a sword event that I went to I would not have like latched on to Hema as like as like good as I did <laughs> um just creating that like space and like knowing that there are other people who are like me who are women who are smaller in stature that do the same thing like to have that space and our um our women's class have been going on since like September and we're still doing it every Friday. And some of those women have already like moved on to the regular classes. So that's been really cool. Um, Sorry, but... I'm laughing at that. I'm, I'm just like amazed. Like you said that you wouldn't have latched onto him if it wasn't for give a girl a sword. No, it's crazy. Like, and it's so funny that like I met you like a year later <laughs> I was like, this is the lady who started this thing. I started that. So if I hadn't, if I hadn't come up with that idea, I was like, oh, let's do this. I would never have met you. 
I know it's crazy it was crazy because it was so empowering to see like you know because all of the instructors were women for that day you know I that that was the first time I met Kirsten and all of the other um female instructors in my club um with exception of my friend but it was really cool to see like I was like wow I can actually do Mm. you know it's really cool that there are other people who do this who are girls because you know there's not a lot of us now (laughs) there's still not a lot of us and you know we're not as visible yeah as well and so it's it's it was it's really it was really mind-blowing when I met you and we became friends and I found I was like you're you're the one who started this this is crazy like you know this is how I got into you and (laughs) and yeah like having that safe space like having that you know I guess in a way like I it happened when it happened but I wish I would have started sooner but Mm -hmm. like if it I think if I went to just a regular event and not a Gaga's event I think it would have I think it would have had a different impression on me. Yeah. That's why I think having, I know we've like went on a different tangent with this, but um, I think having that space Mm. like definitely like helped me like kind of have a different perspective of what Hima can be. Yeah. Um, Just to sort of bring it back to like women only and and, and non-binary spaces. Uh, and it kind of links with his gatekeeping question too. Yeah. Everyone that I've sort of asked for feedback on those events has said very similar things. They don't feel judged. Yeah. You just yeah. don't feel judged. <laughs> and it's the one thing putting people off from doing something is feeling that other people are evaluating them and, you know, whether that's as offensive or as a person or as a woman or whatever. They just don't feel like they're being checked out in on any level. It's just they're just having fun doing the thing they enjoy. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what our women's classes have been. Um and I and I'm hoping that we expand it to be even more inclusive mm-hmm. than just women's um night. You know what I mean? And yeah. you know, having like more non non binary people and all that, like doing more um more outreach. But you know, as a start, I think we've we've had the club has had a really successful um, group that like they're starting to like transfer over to like coming to the regular classes because the women's classes that we have right now, it's very laid back. It's very you know, it's like and it's the same thing that people other people feel is that they don't feel judged in that class. Mm-hmm. It's very you know, it's it's just it's just a fun way to get fit. And some of them, a couple of them have recently started coming to the regular classes. And, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome because now we have a little bit more women intermixed with men um, in the class. And, you know, I live for that shit. <laughs> so, you know, I, and, and yeah, you're right. It is important to have those spaces at least start off. And yeah, that does help with preventing, you know, the gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. It's just like having you know spaces that are safe for people who are basically a minority in the community Mm. so question second question from alan all right we're trying this again it's alan one more time so with hema being one of the big things that i use to 
help my mental health. And for years, even before I was in therapy and taking meds, Hema was a big part of it. It's still a big part of keeping me sane. On some days, it's just a struggle to get up and go to class. What, what ideas have other people shared? What ideas do you have to help get past those, those hard days? Because I know if I get up and go to class, I'm going to feel better. And some days, it's still, I can't do it. So what does everyone think? So, um, this kind of is relative to you recently, if, I, if I'm, if that's okay to say, Jana. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. At the beginning of this, you you had a having a tough week. Yeah. Um. You know, being a person is tough, as you said. Um. And he, Alan's like like a lot of us found that Hema is like you know the constant in the universe, the thing that keeps you sane. Um. And getting to class can be a struggle, even if you know uh, that once you're there you'll have a good day but it's just the getting the will to go and get there what you know i think he's just saying you know what what, what do we do on those days when you don't yeah. go i'll pass the mic to you um so i think that no like you don't i, I know i've said before that like it's okay to like not show up and mm-hmm. know that sorts are always going to be there when you come back your friends are going to be there when you yeah. come back but when when you're talking about like um trying to get yourself to go mm-hmm. there there have been times where i just showed up for class and did not do anything and just sat there and mm-hmm. just watched people or like i just worked on like little things i did not join the main class and just being there being present and this is something that not just me but other people in the club have done is sometimes just being present and being in the environment of you know your sword friends and being around you know learning even though you're not exactly like participating it's Mm -hmm. still participating if that makes sense it is yeah um and i think that you know just thinking about that because nobody's forcing you to do any of this when you come to class and that's something that Kirsten also reminds us when we come to class is that if you need to step back you know if, if you're doing a drill and you're just getting frustrated step back nobody's yeah. nobody's forcing you to do it um, nobody's going to judge you if you decide to like you know sit this one out and just chill Ooh. because I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier once it starts becoming a job once it starts becoming a like a thing that you have to do instead of something that you love yeah um and you know i i think just for me the way i get past those days is to remind myself why i go mm-hmm. and why i'm why why i'm there yeah because you know everything that you're feeling at the moment is temporary whether it's happiness whether it's sadness whether it's grief they're all temporary. They're they're gonna change like just like we who we are as people, we're gonna change from a year ago. We're we're a different person from a year ago, from last week, from a few hours ago. It's the same thing with our emotions. Yeah. It sucks at the moment and it's definitely good to acknowledge that. Um and this is something that it's it's interesting because a lot of people have been talking about it this week. A lot of people have been down lately and I think it's the season. Yeah. And you know, it's always good to remind yourself. And this is something that 
is diligence. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, you don't have innate knowledge, but you can, anyone can have diligence. Yeah. Uh, and just showing up is like, you know, 90% of it. Yeah. So if you just show up, um, everything else will click into place. Even if that is actually, I don't have the spoons for it today. I'm going to go home. But just, exactly. Just show up. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think that um, leads us to our very last question. Mm-hmm. Uh, to sort of finish off the session uh, from the lovely Spencer Waddell, a.k.a. Um, the the uh, Simply Samurai or mm-hmm. the, Wandering Sword the Wandering Sword Project. He's so cool. What he has to say, which is, <laughs> I think is a perfect question to end on. What is something you want to see happen in the sword community to make it improve? So what is something you want to see happen in the sword community to make it improve? Donna. Do you want to start? Oh, you want me to start? Oh, I, I, I can I can start. Uh, okay. I made some notes here. Okay. Um, and it kind of links up to everything that we've been saying today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which is quite weird, actually. <laughs> so what I want to see is um, more empathy. Yeah. More you know, from instructors, from fellow um, fencers, you know, competitors, mm. whatever, more understanding of, of where someone's at. Yeah. M- more humility, I think. Yes. Um, I think when we get people on here, sometimes people like you see these big competition fencers or whatever, you expect them to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then you find out, actually, they're just a human being, you know, they're a normal person. They're yeah. Just like, and it's that humility that humanity which is really lovely to see when when you sort of talk to someone after a while and you get to know them yeah and you know it breaks down those barriers it stops people doing something which i despise in HEMA, which is putting people on pedestals yeah yeah people on pedestals can be knocked down um and you know the whole point is they're not attainable um and just more communication, I think, because of like what I was saying about the way, what you were saying, sorry, about accessibility and our understanding of the text and, and how things work. Um, and like what Rachel's uh, document about pre-sparring, pre-free play, how to communicate yeah. with each other when you're fencing. and yeah. As Rebecca said in a previous episode, like ninety percent of problems could be resolved just through communication, and that goes to just about everything in life. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Clear about what we want, what we expect, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and uh, how we're going to go about things. And I think the reason we get into swords in the first place is because they're cool. Yeah, they are I mean, cool. deep they're down, pretty like, cool. Oh, they're pretty fucking cool. I mean, our inner child, if we're talking about mental health and healing and everything, our inner child is like five years old with a stick in the woods, yeah. running around going, oh my God, I've got a sword. Exactly. And it's that kid that we need to nurture more mm-hmm. and uh, allow them to be themselves. And uh, that passion, like that passion that that kid has is the thing that's, that sparked in you the moment someone put a sword in your hand it was that kid going yep. yes this is me this is what I want to do I love this yeah and we need more of that and it's that passion 
that we need to cultivate and share with more people so that more people can learn about swords, whether that's historical African martial arts, fencing, LARP, HEMA, BOHA, everything, the whole mm-hmm. shebang. I yeah. think we need to be sharing our knowledge because, like, doing the podcast with Joe Booth the other day, like, hearing stuff from Raquel Skellington, like, all these different communities, we have yeah. so much more in common yeah. than uh, what divides us. It really... Um, is about just finding that joy exactly there's there's no downside to having more sword friends in my opinion (laughs) sorry peach is scratching at the door again oh god damn it peach god damn it peach (laughs) (laughs) so yeah um i think that concludes our annual um sort of wrap up for the year Yep. No doubt we'll have more episodes to come. Um, yes. And that's something what I would like to see the sword community happen is like we need to have more of this. Yes. We need to have, yeah, we have we need to have more community. I definitely community. agree with everything you said. I the only thing I would add is that like, you know, we need to have like I and I think that would like you know add on to like what you were saying is that like being able to relate to other people whether it's someone that you're similar with or someone that you know you have nothing in common with it's just gonna like open up so many doors for people and you know just adding on to what you were saying is that having again I, I'm always going to throw this like word around accessibility is such a big deal and I and I would love to see more things in terms of like progression and you know the way we study the text the way we um, the way we have um, the, the kind of equipment that we have the fencing yeah. equipment that we have the the kind of gear that we have like more progress on those as well um, yeah that's something I would like on top of like everything that you've said like absolutely um yeah so yeah like with the way they people teach and and i think that like the stuff that we've talked about the stuff that we've been talking about i think it's been helping a lot um like what i've been talking about before um when i was working with one of rachel's friends um from socal source like rj he was really excited and he's still excited um i think i will see him in january oh no february and he's excited to like teach me some stuff and you know just because like you know it made him think like okay and that's a kind of like I think um uh like kind of thinking that I would love to see people adopt more Mm. is the way that like when I when RJ heard of like my struggles as like a short person who wants to keep doing cutting is that like okay they're different from me how am I how 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 am I going to be able to teach this person effectively and I think I would love to see more of that because I feel like right now we're in that comfortable space where everything is working for like a specific group of people and that's where it's at right now there's not a lot of resources for people who are differently proportioned like me yeah and so you know the way that RJ had kind of adopted this like okay how am I supposed to teach this person how can I help make this person perform better and I would love to see more people adopt that kind of mentality yeah 
like rather than seeing it as a problem exactly it's just like you know the problem is that we are only uh catering to one uh sort of type of person we need to expand our horizons and just do more and see things differently yeah um and And in in practical terms like the gear exactly exactly and that's and that will help with inclusion and that will Mm -hmm. help diversify the community even more when these things are more accessible when when teaching isn't just for a one-size-fits-all type of you know way yeah but yeah that's that's my take on that and yeah this has been a fun episode it has i knew we were gonna get into it we always do (laughs) we always do it has been a pretty fun fucking year like i had i am so glad that our episodes took off and a lot of people loved it um yeah this has been it's it's been a ride and it's been fun it's been a ride and i hope you have an amazing christmas and new year you too bestie you too bestie and when this is all over i'm gonna come and visit you yes please (laughs) (laughs) yes girl yes yes we hope you enjoyed this podcast to show your appreciation please give us a five-star review on your podcast platform or support our work by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash swordwomen go to at swordwomen on instagram to see upcoming interviews or visit by to learn about our events or visit our facebook page by the sword